that's what they could do. Take one of the, the infields of these tracks in like Texas or Florida or Auto Club Speedway and mm-hmm. throw a football game in there once a year. That'd be wow. awesome. During an ARCA race. <laughs> <laughs> You're over here. This guy's got a concussion. This person's tore apart their car in the wall. What are we going to do? <laughs> First That'd and be 10. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I think I need to be a track promoter. You think Bob's got a job for me somewhere? Probably. <laughs> Welcome to Going In Tight. Coming out loose. Welcome back, everybody, to Going In Tight, Coming Out Loose. This is Chris Gibson, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Bart Lewis. How's it going, Bart? Just dandy. We've got a doozy of an episode for you all this week. Our interview comes with Bob Sargent, who is the president of Track Enterprises. He is promoting a lot of grassroots racing and runs a lot of these tracks. We've got an exciting conversation that we have with him about everything going on in grassroots racing, but we first want to rant and rave about this past weekend's race at Bristol. Bart, what do you have to rave about this week? I want to rave about Harvick. Harvick has been winning a lot this year, and that just comes with the territory. Sometimes you will see somebody win over and over and over, and it kind of gets a little dull at times. But the excitement that Harvick had with that win is something that I can get fired up about. So I'm going to rave about that. Sure. Did enjoy that. Um, and then also I'm going to rave about Kyle Bush's post-race interview. While most people are like, why is Kyle Bush always like that? I like to see Kyle Bush like that when he's actually losing instead of winning. When he wins and has that attitude – is just not in something I appreciate. But if he's losing and has that attitude, I'm fine with it. Not, and I also kind of agree with him. I think he'll probably be out next round. Yeah, I do have to say that I respect the fact that Kyle Bush is Kyle Bush, no matter the situation. We've poo-pooed him when he is negative when he wins, but he's the same way when he loses because of laugh traffic. So I, I respect that if, if you're going to be the same person. Do you have anything you got to rant about? Anything you didn't like? Man, Blaney, come on, dude. Like you were Good like Lord. fifth in the points and you just, you've ruined it in three races. All that hard work over a, of a season. It's, it's hard for me to see that because he's like seventh in the points right now, but like 16th in the playoffs. So that was upsetting to see. I wish he had done better. Given how he performed this year, he deserved better than that. But it is the playoffs, and that's how it works. Lap cars? Oh, my gosh. Mm. Okay, so I get not getting up to speed at a super speedway. And I understand when we see a bunch of cars that are lower-funded teams in the back and getting passed a lot. But it's a, it's a short track. They only go like 100 so why can't they get up to speed that doesn't make any sense to me the 77 looked like it was sitting still watching the pack go by it Mm -hmm. i don't know i don't know i mean there were so many close calls because of the lap cars i mean you were holding your breath every time lap traffic came and it seemed like it was and this is not the it seemed like it was stupider than usual Mm -hmm. because there would be lap cars 
taken up the high line, taken up the middle line and taken up the low line. And these, the guys that are performing well are like, how the hell do I get around this? The ri- I'm going to go backwards here. So the rumor about why they got rid of North Wilkesboro is the track wasn't big enough to support a, a large field. Bristol is a very small track. So you mm-hmm. have 40 cars and a lot of which ten, we'll say 10 are not true contenders in the race at all. They're just kind of in the way. And some people chalk it up to say, well, that's just part of the sport. You got to be able to get around them and they're going to be there. I don't think they should be there. That's my opinion on it. I've said it before. Other people feel differently. Um, I get working your way up, but start in the lower tiers and work your way up like a driver would as a team owner. That kind of brings me into the final thing. Short track racing. I don't, I don't know what it is about this year, but it seems different and not as good. And maybe it's because we just saw Richmond and that led into Bristol and both endings were somewhat uneventful. The, the two stages were great. And then there was just like nothing. And then you had the battle between Harvick and Bush, which was pretty exciting. But other than that, there wasn't a whole lot of action going on. So yeah. what, do you, what do you got to rant about? Well, I, you know, I want to rant about the same thing. Six people on the lead lap. That is just asking for problems. Like that, that's where I disagree with Kyle Bush. He's complaining about lap traffic. And I'm like, what do you mean? The 34 cars worth of lap traffic? Like <laughs> that, that is annoying in itself. So I get where his annoyance is, but literally uh, there are six people dealing with lap traffic on the, on the track at that point. That, that just got boring. Like you said, that last stage, it was like, holy cow, what's going on here? It, it frustrates me and it comes back to the qualifying and the practice. I really feel like we could have Bristol be a race that you qualify into. If you can't qualify in the top 30 to 32 cars, then you shouldn't be able to race at the track. And that'll make it a lot more competitive. And you won't have guys like the the seven or the 77 just sitting there on the track looking like they're, you know, a deer in the headlights. Uh, and then another one was the veterans mistakes. Like you said, with Blaney, he was making his way up the pack. And they even made a point to say it like he has a chance to win this race. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, he was just gone. Uh, I know Brad Kozlowski's issues were mechanical, but you saw him not be able to make speed and they called him off the track because of a power steering issue. It just seemed like there were more than usual mistakes being made by veterans and it really dumbed down the race. Yeah, so I'd say all in all, an okay race, but not one that I'll remember next year, just like Richmond. All right, everybody, we have Bob Sargent, the president of Track Enterprises Incorporated with us tonight. They own and operate a bunch of tracks that support all levels of racing. So thanks for joining us, Bob. Oh, thanks for having me. So uh, the first question we always ask our, our guests is, is sort of how you got into the role that you're in, like what path led you there? So how did you get into the business of uh, track promoting and operating? What, was that always the dream? I don't know if it was a dream you know I started uh, there's a track making speedway here in my hometown and uh, I was fortunate enough to get out of high school worked there a little bit went to college came back and the owner asked me if I wanted to be a racetrack operator so it was pretty simple <laughs> clear cut and it was my hometown and uh, you know a lot of friends and family we got started doing it and gosh ever since then that's that's it just kept growing and growing Yeah. And so for some people who might not know, and uh, we've talked to some people on in NASCAR, but 
when you get to the grassroots level, what is it that entails being a, an operator or promoter for all these different tracks? Well, I think the difference from a NASCAR level to a grassroots is a, a grassroots level literally has to wear, we hear this cliche a lot, mm -hmm. uh, a grassroots level promoter has to worry about every hat there is. You know, we buy the hot dogs, we make sure the track's ready, the safety equipment's here, the sanctioning body, the drivers, the tickets, the, the um, you know, the, the post-race things. We don't have a lot of staff support. So I think that's the, the real key to grassroots racing. And on the participant side, it's, it's more of a, a regional to local people. It's not people living and make millions of dollars. So you obviously, that sounds stressful. So you obviously don't <laughs> mind that, that stress uh, because you guys scaled it. You have way more than making. Now, how many tracks do you guys have? Uh, last year, we did 26 different racetracks in 14 states. So a lot of different types of racetracks, big, small, dirt, asphalt, rural, big city. We just, we were fortunate to be in the position we're in. We, we, kind of think we're in a grassroots level and and this is what we like to do and we try to uh, you know be successful at this very cool uh, and so this year you started operating nashville fairground speedway a really historic track track that's been getting a lot of news recently from the past promoter and nascar so how did you all get into the mix with taking over the fairgrounds well um we had been running an arca race there which is what we do with a lot of these 26 tracks you know we'll go and do one or two races a year and uh, we were doing that at nashville for five years so we had a lot of uh, relationships, a lot of knowledge about the facility and the people in place. And um, they were looking for a promoter and um, we stepped up. It was a little bit much for us to do the whole schedule. So we teamed up with uh, Randy Dice and D&D events. And, uh, you know, we, we got started and then the COVID hit. So, uh, so we're still fresh and still new, put a lot of paint on the facility and, and got it looking really good. Um, and, and we've got a couple of local events left yet. And then the big race at the end of the year, the All-American 400. NASCAR acquired ARCA, so th and that was pretty recent. When you all look at that relationship, are you all trying to build that relationship with NASCAR to bring in some of like the trucks, the Xfinity to some of those tracks that you all manage and operate? Or are you kind of church and state with them right now since you're just that relationship's fairly new? No, you know, we we knew a lot of the people at NASCAR before ARCA got with them, um, did some conjunction races and things of that nature. So so it was an easy transition for us bringing the promoters, great relationship with the people at ARCA, great relationship with the people at NASCAR. So it's been a great fit. Um, we look at it all now as almost family and partners. And, and if they ask us to go do an event somewhere, we'll sure look at it and see if it fits our business model right. and vice versa. I think uh, we all are are striving to to grow ARCA, make it better. And oh, by the way, now we're sister with uh, NASCAR. And if they have some other uh, venues or events they want us to look at, then we're all working together. You know, the big thing that lots of people who follow both the, the short tracks and then follow the Cup Series, Nashville's one of those places that has been hot. And there's all the contracts sitting out there on the mayor of Nashville's desk. Uh, we saw an article where you said, hey, I'm, I'm willing to bring it here if you all work with me. Is, what's it take to get a contract like that done? And is it still sitting out there? Or? Well, you know, the Nashville thing is unique. Again, this is our first year of really having a contract for other events there. And, and SMI, you know, the Bruton Smith uh, people have been really looking and talking to the mayor a lot too. So we've taken the role of just, just being there. You know, we want right. to do our grassroots racing. We want to do the ARCA race, the, 
the uh, All-American 400, the local events. And you know what? If, if, if there's a role for us to play with a larger NASCAR thing, that's fine too. So I think that we're, we're viewed as more of a partner in all that and trying to make everything come together. Um, some of the politics are a little over our head with the mayor and SMI and, and the, the improvements that need to be done to the facility, whether you're talking about a cup race versus a truck race, things of that nature that um, just need to proceed as we go. And again, it, I think things got stalled a little bit when the COVID virus mm -hmm. hit us and, uh, and uh, there's still a lot of talking going on and a lot of, uh, a lot of hope. Yeah, COVID really brought the entire world to a halt. So um, how did that impact the grassroots schedule this year? Um, are you able to reschedule some of them or, or just kind of like pick up where, where you left off? No, we were, we were fortunate to be able to reschedule just about all of our events. Um, we had to repurpose a few and move them to different venues in different states. Um, a lot of different rules from state to state to state of, of how this COVID works and how many people, fans can be there, if any, certain percentages, things of that nature. So a lot of protocol that we have to follow, a lot of meetings with uh, local and state officials. And uh, we have been able to repurpose several of our events, including the Hoosier 100 in Indiana we got in, um, scheduled for May, got in in August. Um, the Springfield State Fair, Illinois State Fair, scheduled for August. Now we're going to do it in October, things of that nature. Um, we've been able to really uh, complete the majority of our schedule. Um, one of the things that I noticed, I, I was looking through your website, and I noticed that a big piece of what you all do is bring out guys like Dale Jr. and Mike, Michael Waltrip and Martin Truex Jr. That's just a few of the big names you've brought out. What does it do for these communities and these small tracks when you bring a guy like that out there? Does it really like raise the profile of, you know, does the community come out in droves or is there a pretty solid following at every single one of these tracks that's coming out every weekend, whether it be a local or a more national series? Yeah, you know, I, I think in, in the grassroots racing, what we do is similar to a, a chef in a kitchen. We have a recipe, <laughs> we have ingredients and we put all that in and, and, and hopefully the, the pot stews and tastes good um, with our product, um, whether it be ARCA, USAC, World of Outlaws, stock cars, whatever we're doing at one certain event, um, we really work hard on our core product. Now, when we bring out the NASCAR guys to answer your question, absolutely. That's just a benefit, an extra part of the, the event, the show. And it does bring more people from the community that might have interest in this this hero or superstar mm -hmm. they see on TV on Sundays. So it does actually bring a lot of interest to an event, you know, and we've been fortunate to have a lot of drivers that we've worked with over the, in the past to do that. But, but I'll go back to, again, it still is the core product that we're mm -hmm. doing and putting on and getting a nice clean facility, putting on a timely show, exciting racing with the racers. And Oh, by the way, we've got, uh, here's a NASCAR star coming to the track. So it's just part of the, the whole product. The, the one thing that I, I can think of is when you get to that grassroots level, when you have a guy like a Kyle Larson, what happened with him, and he came down and he started racing in the world of outlaws. I, I think of a situation like that. And does a, a, kind of the same question, do you have that happen a lot? Um, or when you get to that level, and one thing that we like to see is, you know, we've got a lot of smaller drivers who follow us that are racing modifieds that are racing, you know, dirt track division. And so we, we want to know what it is that you all do for those guys that really help elevate their status. And does it help when a guy like Kyle Larson is racing against them? Well, it absolutely does help when those guys come back, you know, Kenny Schrader, 
Kenny Wallace, Stewart. Those guys race, come race dirt a lot. But, um, you know, some other guys, Matt Kenseth and things like that, will race some um, Kyle Busch or race a lot of pavement. So we're fortunate to have this with where maybe baseball, football doesn't do it. Our industry mm-hmm. and our sport does do it and does allow for that because these guys can come down and get in the same cars, same rules as the local drivers. And, you know, it kind of lets everybody stack up against each other and see the best drivers versus these, these heroes and these, these veteran drivers that are racing in NASCAR. So it does play a lot of part in it. And it, I think it does help the local drivers up their game a little bit. Um, maybe see what the veteran drivers do to get ready for a race and, or if they've got any different tricks in their equipment and things like that. So normally um, the veteran drivers, when they come back, they normally still do good. Kyle Larson, <laughs> as you spoke of, is doing well. Yeah, I'm sure they can also help some of those owner drivers scout out the talent coming up the ranks as well. Uh, so uh, we've seen a lot of smaller tracks. I mean, this isn't anything new for probably the past three or four decades. Continue to close for a variety of reasons. Uh, most recently, Myrtle Beach Speedway closed to make room for some, I uh, believe, condominiums. So um, I, I, I can't believe that grassroots racing is going anywhere. I think that's just part of it where some win, some lose, and that's just the evolution of it. How do you perceive the landscape of stability and growth in grassroots racing in America today? Well, I think you're exactly right. I think it is just the evolution. Um, I think grassroots racing is very strong right now. Um, we talk to promoters daily all over the country, and, and it seems like it's very strong. It, uh, you, know, you don't have to walk far through the PRI show to see the, the vendors and, and the racers that are all involved in the sport. We all talk about bringing new, young people into the sport, and that seems to be happening a lot. So I think as far as venues go, I think management is key. You got to have a good manager, whether it's a racetrack or a restaurant or whatever, a clothing store. You know, it is an evolution, and the good managers will succeed. And um, to be a good manager, you have to really treat it as a business. You know, this is a business side, and and um, unfortunately, sometimes the competitors don't like to, to play those games, those rules, and, and understand that. But but in the long run, they do, and uh, that's what will keep grassroots racing successful is all the event facility owners and promoters treat it as a business and uh, and do what it takes to keep these fans happy. So is a big part of what you all do as operators and promoters, do you all go in and try and resurrect some of these that may be sliding down, you know, almost like I think of like that show Bar Rescue where he comes in and finds these places that are just turning into a dump and turns them into these glittery, shiny objects that everybody likes. Uh, Is that kind of what you guys do or do you have many of those situations or is it just figuring out which tracks, like you said, are, are a good business move for you all? Yeah, that's the main thing is is scheduling where the series want to go, what tracks are sitting there on what date that's going to work. So mm-hmm. we're, our business model is definitely not to go in and, and resurrect racetracks. However, that has happened. Mm-hmm. We have been doing that a little bit, but, but that's not our, our real focus. Our real focus is to find a facility that the event that we're looking to put at uh, that, that fits that timetable, that owner promoter is looking for something like that. We all work together. And again, by the way, some of them are, have been shut down and those are easy to get a hold of because obviously the owner promoter is looking for something <laughs> successful. But, but a lot of times what we do, it, it does work better to go to facilities that are up and running and going well. So, sure. so it's not all resurrecting, but that does happen, yes. Cool. So the All-American 400 is scheduled at Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway on October 30th, 31st, and November 1st. And then as of this week, uh, this uh, podcast will release on Wednesday. They went on sale on this Monday and uh, fans can attend. So is there anything specific that fans should know um, when attending? 
before attending? Well, you know, it's the normal protocols I spoke about earlier. We're limited on our seating. We can have 20% as of now, and um, we'll do all the social distancing, um, hand sanitizer, all that. So there'll be a lot of uh, COVID protocol there. We're a, m- a little over a month away. So in the COVID world, things change drastically, and hopefully things will get better before we get into the latter part of October, and, and um, we won't be quite so strict. But, again, we will go by all the state and local um, rules and guidelines that are that are put on us and so yeah so tickets are they went on sale and people can get those at nashville fairground speedway dot racing you can get tickets for each night friday saturday sunday I pass for all three days and i'm in nashville so i'll be there uh, <laughs> but for for those folks who live elsewhere in the country is there any other big races coming up at, at any of your tracks the rest of the year well believe it or not we do you know october has historically been a month we slow down but this year we have added several or we're doing a, a large race, the UMP Fall Nationals is a Midwest Dirt Series. We have that at Lincoln, Illinois, one of our little tracks, uh, making Speedway's cloak, getting ready to be the last night next this weekend. And then we've rescheduled ARCA and USAC at the One Mile Oval at Springfield. So that's a historic dirt oval, big fairgrounds, and we'll have ARCA there on October 4th and USAC there October 18th. So we're looking forward to that. And we have a race at Pensacola, an ARCA race rescheduled. Um, when the COVID started, we were getting ready to race there in March, and uh, we're going to redo that on uh, October 10th. So we've got three or four weekends real busy before we get to uh, Nashville in the last week in October. Well, uh, it sounds like you all are crazy busy. Uh, we hope that you all just have continued success. Um, you all are clearly one of the stepping stones for, for people as they see this big, big dream that they could have. Um, you all are definitely one of the things that's making it possible. So we wanted people to be able to hear what you all are doing. And uh, we hope to see you all at a, out at a track sometime soon if we're able to make it out. Well, that we'd like to have you there. And I want to thank you guys for doing what you do. This is, again, technology, as you said, when we got started here and <laughs> streaming and, and everything that's going on in the sport, we just like to be a part of it. And and uh, we thank you guys for bringing messages to the fans and, and making this more mainstream. Thanks, Bob, for joining us. We really appreciate it. True or false? It is time yet again for another True False this week in honor of Bob Sargent, our guest. We are doing the Grassroots Racing Edition of True False. Are you ready, Chris? I am so ready. Number one, sprint car capital of the world, Knoxville Raceway, is in the state of Tennessee. The track is located in Tennessee, Knoxville Raceway. True or false? Really? Yeah. False. That's right. Where is it? Knox. Oh, my God. Is it Illinois? Iowa. Oh. That one confused me for a long time because I was like, I, don't, I live close to Knoxville, and I never hear anybody going to that. Yeah, I, mean, but, I, don't, I don't know what age I was, but somebody's like, Iowa. And that made a whole lot more sense. Well, we were talking to Bob Sargent, and he's ta- he talks about Macon. And yeah. I immediately think Macon, Georgia, because I live there. But he's talking about Macon, Illinois. Mm-hmm. And then, um, obviously, there's they uh, Track Enterprises runs Paducah as well. Yeah, but there's no other Paducah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a name that only Kentucky can have. Yeah, Paducia. All right, number two. The crown jewel of dirt racing known as the Chili Bowl was won three years in a row by none other than Christopher Bell. True or false? Hmm. 
there are so many cup drivers who have had success in the Chili Bowl. I'm going to say false. It is true. He did Ooh. win it three years in a row in 17, 18, 19. Larson won it this year in 20. Remember him? <laughs> it's held in Tulsa. What's, he- what's held in Tulsa? Nothing. <laughs> Other than crappy football. Yeah. All right, number three, Nashville Fairground Speedway is the oldest continually operating track in the United States. Ooh, that's a tough one. The oldest continually operating track. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say false. It is true. Really? It, yeah. 1904, June, of, June 11th, 1904. It okay. first featured horseless carriages and motorcycles. And it's been continually okay. operating ever since. All right, that makes sense. That's deep history. See, I in my for in my head, I was thinking like NASCAR. We know that started on the beaches of Daytona, so that's a good question. Well, thank Hashtag you. history. Oh, I appreciate that. I'm not, I don't think you've ever complimented my questions. Nope. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, number four. While attempted, no active Cup driver has ever won the Snowball Derby held at Five Flags Speedway in Pensacola, Florida. Can you restate the question, please? While attempted, no active cup driver has ever won. Yeah, no active cup driver has ever won the snowball derby, which is held in the wintertime at Five Flags Speedway in Pensacola. I think that's false because I thought Chase Elliott won it. You are correct. That is false. (laughs) Seven out of the last nine snowball derbies have been won by a cup driver, active cup driver. Sweet. Yeah, and I think Chase was like one of the youngest ever to win it. Fun fact. Not in my notes. Going straight from memory. All right. Uh, so far, so far, you are two for four. So number five, Bowman Gray's first ever event was a 1938 football game between Wake Forest and Duke. True. That is true. It is also a football field and a race car track. And yeah, that was the first nice. event there. Yeah. So like the infield was like a football. It still is. Yeah. Football. Uh-huh. Football. That's awesome. You know what? That when we were talking about things that NASCAR could do, that's what they could do. Take one of the the infields of these tracks in like Texas or Florida or Auto Club Speedway and mm-hmm. throw a football game in there once a year. That'd be wow. awesome. During an ARCA race. <laughs> <laughs> You're over here. This guy's got a concussion. This person's tore apart their car in the wall. What are we going to do? <laughs> First and <be> 10. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I think I need to be a track promoter. You think Bob's got a job for me somewhere? <laughs> Probably. All right, number six. In addition to Eldora Speedway, Tony Stewart owns Lake Ozark Speedway, Port Royal Speedway, and Macon Speedway. True or false? See, I want to say true, but I feel like you threw one speedway in there that he doesn't own, and I'm not following everything that he does own. You're smiling, so it's false. (laughs) (laughs) Ah! Which one one of the five that you listed doesn't he own? Macon? He does own Eldora. He does. So he has stakes in these. So he he owns Macon along with Bob and PIR, Paducah International Raceway. Nice which is, I believe, up for sale. Could be wrong, but I think that's the Let's case. Let's buy it. Yeah, we should. All right, number seven, Myrtle Beach Speedway held its last race in August of this year. That's true. Yeah. You seem shocked. 
No, I'm not shocked. You gave that one away in our interview. Yeah, man, I'm, you know what? See, yeah, you can't, ask, you can't ask good questions to our guest and then try and fool me. Yeah, we're going to have to flip these. We're going to have to start doing true falsers. <laughs> You're five for seven. Nice. I'm doing pretty well. Yeah, pretty well. Number eight, in 1967, federal agents discovered a moonshine distillery underneath Middle Georgia Speedway. Truth. Yeah, how you know that one? That is from Dale Jr.'s Lost Speedways. Yeah, which is crazy that they were making probably more money off the moonshine than they were the racing, but that is just how this sport started. Moonshiners, bootleggers, so... They're all businessmen trying to make a dollar and why not leverage both of your passions, racing and moonshining all in one place. Yeah. And I highly suggest you go watch that episode because it's interesting when they walk. So they had tunnels built under it. They had tunnels built under the back stretch and it was two entrances per se. And the one entrance you went in and you bought a ticket to go to the race, the other entrance, most people would go there and purchase their ticket quotes in quotes and never stepped foot on the racetrack because they were buying moonshine. And in that ticket booth, they had a hole to go down into the where they were where they were distilling all of this moonshine. So definitely go watch that episode of Lost Speedways. Pretty cool. Yeah, that was cool. All of them are really cool, but that one oh, was yeah. really cool. Yeah. Number nine. While re- retired from NASCAR, Kenny Wallace continues to be active in lower divisions of grassroots racing across America. That is true. It is true. If you follow him on Twitter or Facebook, the guy, the, the Herm, is always <laughs> releasing videos, and they are always fun to watch. All right, number 10, final question. Going into this, you are, what, seven for nine? Seven for nine. Holy crap. I have a chance to tie my best. Your best is 80%? Yeah. Huh. I must have forgotten about that one. All right, number <laughs> 10, South Boston Speedway is located in Massachusetts. False. Where is it? Foxborough. <laughs> Am I right? Foxborough? Like, what state is that? That's in Foxborough, Massachusetts. That's where the Patriots are. So All I right. figured maybe they'll have a racetrack there. Where is it actually? <laughs> Virginia. Virginia. It's not located anywhere in the Northeast. South, South Boston. South okay. Boston Speedway. I just it- figured... They, they call them the New England Patriots, and they talk about Boston, but they're actually in Foxborough, Massachusetts. So I was like, I just pulled out the first other city in Massachusetts. Why the hell does Virginia have a track called Boston? Well, I tried to trip you over the Knoxville when you knew that one. Fun fact, from South Boston Speedway, for a time, from 2002 to 2003, it was called Big Daddy's South Boston Speedway. How about that name? Well, then I'd have guessed Virginia. If you told me Big Daddies. I should have done that. Yeah, I should have done that. <laughs> All right, yeah, you, you tied 80%. Yeah. Oh, did I get it right? You said false. Oh, I did say false. I just didn't get right where it actually was. That's right, yep. Yeah, so I didn't get the bonus. All right, well, 80%. Next week, I am making them much harder. You just wait. True or false? Well, we're back this week with some fantasy advice. Bart, you didn't do too hot in fantasy this past week, did you? No, I was last. Yeah, it was a tough week. 
you're still still in the hunt for the the big purse we have for the playoffs. So I've got a little bit more work to do myself. But what are you going to tell everybody? What advice do you have for everybody as we head into Las Vegas this week? Yeah, the finesse is not using all your good drivers that you think are going to make it to the end all at once. The trick is you don't want to use all your good drivers all at the beginning, which I was trying to do, but apparently I chose all the wrong drivers, so I ended up in last place. So uh, hopefully I can have better luck in Las Vegas. So my top picks this week are Logano. He has a good track record here. He won here this past year. That was his last race that he won prior to kind of like – being a Kyle Busch for a little while. He seems to be coming back a little bit now. So I do see promise in him. It is a playoffs. It is important that he, he gets down to the final four. So I think that we'll see him do well. Brad Keselowski, he does well here. Blaney, even though he's out, I do think that uh, mile and a half tracks are really good for him. And he's got something to prove because people have no problem talking smack about him. So I'm sure that he will have something to prove this weekend. Kurt Busch, it's his home track. And uh, he's on the bubble here. So I anticipate that he's going to do well. Truex is another driver to look after. And then Harvick, go figure. Good picks. Not my top picks, but good picks. I'll go with Amarola, Johnson, Kyle Busch, and Chase Elliott. And if you're really trying to be conservative, there's two drivers that you can go after. Austin Dillon, surprisingly, has had some success here. And Stenhouse Jr. Stenhouse Jr. has had a lot of bad luck this year despite some decent finishes. So we can see if how he does in this one. So that's who I have picked for this week's race in Las Vegas. I, I'm proud to say that going into this week at Las Vegas, I still have five uses for Denny Hamlin. I still have five uses for Kevin Harvick. I still have four uses for Joey Logano. I'm playing the long game here, folks, and I am coming for your money if you are in the going in tight, coming out loose podcast league so i'm eighth out of nine i'm gonna be making a comeback as we get towards the end of the season bart it is getting super super silly are you ready to get silly with me dude it's so silly tell me more about how silly it's getting (laughs) so rumor is and this just came out today and it may be confirmed by the time this podcast comes out but Texas Motor Speedway is losing one of their points races, which I'm not mm-hmm. mad about, and they are taking the 2021 All-Star Race in return. Where is that track spot going, you ask? Well, apparently the Circuit of America is down in Austin where F1 races in November is taking that spot. Any, any other silliness you got? All right, folks, we have to stop. We have some breaking news. Breaking news! As we finished taping this episode on Monday night, we got breaking news straight from Denny Hamlin himself that he and Michael Jordan are going to be joining together to bring a new racing team. They're going to be taking over the Jermaine Racing Charter and their driver is going to be Bubba Wallace. It was in rumors and it's finally coming to fruition as we were talking about it. This is incredible. Not only are we getting an incredibly successful duo in a very 
accomplished driver in Denny Hamlin, but we're also getting one of the most polarizing and well-known figures in all of sports in Michael Jordan joining in. He's going to be one of the first minority owners. Bubba Wallace has been a huge proponent of change in NASCAR this year. I can't be more excited to see what this team does, and I hope that they get the financial backing. You can only think that they will with the people that are putting together this team, but we can only hope that they put an awesome product on the track. I think this is great for the sport of NASCAR, and it takes away from all the other silly news. This isn't silly. This is awesome news, but we are going to move on. Bart, who do we have moving into the 48 in your opinion? Larson is to be rumored the favorite hmm. for the 48. And I've seen that several times from some fairly reliable sources. So that could be true. And we now know that Ross Chastain has taken the 42. So Matt Kay is out and Ross Chastain is in. And uh, I, don't, I don't know any really any other big drivers other than Eric Jones, potentially, that could be somebody that would, would take that opportunity at the the 48 so it's looking like it could be Larson yeah and I'm happy for the watermelon man making his way from humble watermelon farmer to uh, a full-time driver in the cup series I I think he'll do well there he has shown that he can he can race clean and Mm -hmm. and race well so that's going to be a good fit I think the number 43 we have no clue what's happening here it, mm-hmm. Could we see this team possibly dissolve into nothing? Do we huh. see somebody come in and fill the, fill the seat? What, what do you think is more likely? That my fear is, is that somebody doesn't fill the seat. I think somebody will fill the seat. They have some good options. Eric Jones is still available. Daniel Suarez is a really great driver. I think and, so too. And I think he would really be the best fit for that, that car. So I really anticipate seeing Suarez take it. Yeah, and something that we don't focus on as much in silly season um, it is we, we hear about all the drivers who could possibly be going to this team, going to that team, pulling out of their, their cup seat. Is another team joining in? And this time we heard from the Charlotte Observer that the money team, which is backed by Floyd Money Mayweather, will be joining in 2021. So we don't know what car number they're going to have. We don't know uh, where they're going to be running or who they might be taking over their charter. When I think of the money team, when I think of people trying to come into the sport to shake things up, Floyd Money. Floyd Mayweather has shaken things up. He is a, a master promoter at every single level, no matter what he's done. So I could for sure see Floyd Mayweather backing uh, Bubba Wallace, which is why I wanted to bring that up in silly season. We also have drivers who have said goodbye to their seat. Like you said, Daniel Suarez, uh, who else has said goodbye to their seat? Corey LaJoy. These are two mm-hmm. guys who have said, we're not coming back to the team that have no rides. So we could see these guys back in the Xfinity series. Uh, Mm -hmm. We could see them in a cup seat, but it's starting to narrow the amount of seats that are open. So we'll see what happens there. It's definitely going to continue to get silly as we finish the season out, but we have finished up the round of 16. We have Maddie D Ryan Blaney, Cole Custer and William Byron who are out. They're done for the rest of the playoffs. They're racing for fun the rest of the way. Moving on to the round of 12, 
We've got Kevin Harvick, Hamlin, Brad Keselowski, Joey Logano, Chase Elliott, Martin Truex Jr., Alex Bowman, Austin Dillon, Eric Amarillo, Kyle Busch, Clint Boyer, and Kurt Busch all going on to the round of 12. So I, I think I was two for four in my, my guess on who mm-hmm. was the first four out. My, my next four out, my guesses are going to be Austin Dillon once again. I like what I see, but at the same time, I can't bet on inconsistency. So I'm going to say that he's out. Kurt Busch is very deep on that bubble, so I'm going to say mm-hmm. that he's out. Boyer and Amarillo, that's, that's who I got. Who you got, Chris? For my first four out, I've got a Bush, Bush, a Boyer, and an Almarola. That sounds like kind of a dirty movie. Those four walk into a bar and they don't come out. So I don't think they are. The Bush brothers, Boyer, and Almarola, they're all struggling. So when we talk about all those playoff points that roll over, they're, they do not have a lot of playoff points going in. They're going to have to compete very well to move on to the round of eight and Kyle Bush already said that he's not moving on to the round of eight and I think that is an absolute like kick in the groin to his team because they clearly had one of the fastest cars on the track this past weekend and when you put a, one of the fastest cars in second place everybody's dealing with lap traffic he had an opportunity to come out light a fire under their butt and say, man, we put together one of the best cars. We're going to carry this momentum. The only momentum he carries in is if they can remember that he did well, rather than saying, oh, we're not going to make it to the round of eight. So um, that's why I've got both of the Bush brothers out and then Boyer and Almarola. Well, everybody, that's all we have for you today. Las Vegas is coming up next week, so be sure to tune into that. As always, if you want to hear our other episodes, you can follow us on Spotify. We encourage you to subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple. That helps us out. And if you want to see any of the fantasy forecast articles that we put out, anything else that we do, you can go to our website, goingintightpodcast.com, or you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at goingintight underscore pod. We look forward to talking to you all next week. Peace.